Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Also, I'd love to hear from you. I'm Saturdays with Joy Keys at Hotmail.com, and you can send me any questions or comments you might have about the show, guests you might want to see. Also, you can listen to us not just here at Blog Talk Radio, but at Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, iTunes, a lot of places. So if you're listening to something else, you can switch over, listen to us, and follow and some places you can make comments and, um, you know, share with other people maybe an episode that you're listening to. But this morning, we are dealing with strokes. It's kind of like a, I was talking to the guest saying it's like a sneaky thing. You know, it kind of sneaks up on people. Uh, this month is Stroke Awareness Month. I've done several shows about strokes, and I think it's so important to do shows because it is a sneaky thing. Each year in the United States, there are more than – 795,000 strokes. Stroke is, uh, well, I was talking to the doctor almost like, I think he said the second leading cause, but he'll confirm this for me in a minute. And um, a lot of people just don't know, again, what is a stroke and what does it look like? So this morning, I have a Dr. Richard Benson. He's the director of the Office of Global Health and Health Disparities in the NINDS Division of Clinical Research. Good morning, Dr. Benson. Good morning, Joy. How are you today? Oh, I'm good, but I'm a little, it's a little cloudy and dreary. I wish it was yesterday. <laughs> I mean, Philadelphia <laughs> is like cloudy and dreary for the next two days in the 50s, and then it goes back to normal. How about you? Is it nice weather where you are? I'm in the Washington, D.C. area, and it's very uh, overcast, cloudy, and, and rainy here as well. But I'm, I'm happy to be here talking about this very important topic. I'm glad you came on this morning. I know it's kind of a little early. It's Saturday. People usually sleep in, but I appreciate you coming in and being willing to share your knowledge. And as we were talking earlier, it's a sneaky thing. Let's just start at the beginning. You know, what is a stroke? What's the definition of a stroke? Well, um, stroke, as you mentioned in the introduction, stroke is actually the second most common cause of death worldwide. And the United States is the fifth most common cause of death. It used to be the third, and it's uh, because of the better treatments that we have, we've now lowered it to the fifth most common cause of death. But it's the number one cause of disability among adults. And uh, mm. stroke is the sudden onset of loss of some type of neurologic function due to decreased or disrupted uh, blood flow to the brain. Um, and if the blood flow to the brain is disrupted, uh, that cuts off the oxygen to the nerve cells, and that leads to permanent mm -hmm. damage to those cells, and then you get loss of function. Um, that could be sudden loss of uh, motor control, so you get weakness on one side, loss of sensation, uh, loss of vision, loss of ability to speak, 
dizziness. Um, we use the acronym FAST, F-A-S-T. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, 70% of all strokes will present either with facial weakness, arm weakness, or a speech problem. And the T in FAST stands for time, meaning you should call 911 if you notice any of those symptoms, the sudden onset of facial weakness, arm weakness, or a speech problem. Who is at risk for having a stroke? Is everybody at risk, uh, men, women, is it certain ethnicities that are more susceptible? Well, the short answer, Joy, is that anyone is at risk for having a stroke. Both men and women have strokes. Um, the incidence or the number of new cases of strokes occur more in men than women. However, men tend to die, have more devastating strokes and die at younger ages. So when you look at the prevalence of stroke, which is the number of people living in society at a particular period of time, it's higher in women. And uh, since age is related to stroke, then we do see women at older ages having strokes. So both men and women are impacted, although the incidence is higher in men, the prevalence is higher in women. Um, There's a disparity that occurs, a race-ethnic disparity that occurs with stroke as well. It's According to one study, the Northern Manhattan Stroke Study, which is a study that I worked on during my fellowship, um, stroke is two times more common in African Americans compared to whites and it's 1.5 times more common in Hispanics compared to whites as well. And so there's a uh, race-ethnic disparity. Um, there's also a geographic disparity when we think of mortality rates from stroke. Um, there are more mm. strokes in the southeastern United States. Uh, you have more, a lot of rural areas there, and so uh, the incidence is higher there and the mortality rate, uh, as well as in Alaska and Hawaii due to the the uh, Native Alaskans and Native Hawaiians as well. So, unfortunately, stroke is an area of disparity. Um, But the good news, Joy, is that there are treatments and there are things we can do to decrease our chance of having a stroke and acute treatments uh, when you recognize a stroke early and get to the hospital in time. Dr. Benson, Mm -hmm. before you get to what we can do to prevent, I want to talk about there are different types of strokes um, I understand ischemic stroke, a hemorrhage stroke, and transient ischemic. Can you talk to us about the difference between those three? Yes, thank you, Joy. That, that's a very important point. Um, so 87% of all strokes are called what we call ischemic strokes, and those are due to decreased blood flow to the brain, uh, and that's either from a, a, a blood vessel being Uh, blocked by a clot to the brain or narrowing of the arteries leading to uh, disruption or or cut off of the blood flow to the brain. And that's most strokes. That's 87% of all strokes. And that's where most of the uh, interventions have gone to dealing with that type of stroke. The other 13% Mm -hmm. of strokes are due to bleeding in the brain or hemorrhages. And those can be spontaneous hemorrhages from um, hypertension or from weak arteries in the brain or aneurysms. Um, leading to spontaneous hemorrhages. Those tend to be more deadly if it's a major bleed in the brain and and it's not caught early. Sometimes they're small, what we call sentinel hemorrhages, where someone will get a small hemorrhage and have a really bad headache and can make it to the hospital in enough time to get treated. Um, But those are the two major causes of stroke. A TIA or a transient ischemic attack, or TIA for short, that's a warning sign for stroke. Um, Those usually last... Uh, about an hour or so, and they go away. Uh, Historically, we used to say uh, neurologic deficits that resolve within 24 hours, but we don't use that time anymore because if you wait 
24 hours and you've missed all of the treatments that we have or most of them. And so um, okay. we normally say if someone has a sudden onset of any neurologic deficit that's different, then they should call 911 immediately. Uh, and in a very uh, small percentage of cases, it's a TIA, the symptoms go away. But it's important to recognize the TIA because that's a warning sign. Within the first month of having a, a TIA, a person has a, a increased chance, a significantly increased chance of going on to have a major stroke. Now, you, we talked about the difference between men and women a little bit. I want to just ask a little more about that. You know, they talk about heart attack symptoms being different for men and women. Are there symptoms different with strokes between men and women? Do women have more of something and, and men have something else in terms of the symptoms? The, um, that's, a, that's a good point. It, it is true with, with heart attack, the, um, the symptoms uh, can present slightly different in men and women. With stroke, they're pretty much uh, the same. The symptoms are uh, pretty much the same. However, um, certain types of stroke, now I, I didn't go into this. There's different stroke sub ischemic stroke subtypes that I could talk about um, mm-hmm. due to narrowing of the arteries in the neck. That tends to be more related to smoking, and, and there may be genetic factors, and, and that may occur more, and we call, call those large artery strokes due to the extracranial vessels, and that may occur more in women. Um, and uh, so there's certain types of strokes that may occur more in um men versus women, but the symptoms are going to be the same. It just depends on the portion of the brain that has the disrupted blood flow leading to the damage. Now, once the person gets to a doctor or to the hospital, what uh, things do you use to diagnose them? What types of imaging or medication? What do you use to diagnose, okay, this person had a stroke as opposed to something else? That's a great point, and so um, and th- this is why there's such a disparity when we think disparity when we think of urban versus uh, rural areas. Um, there are certain designated uh, stroke centers. We have comprehensive stroke centers, which are the more uh, that's the most complex uh, or the most detailed care or high comprehensive mm-hmm. care that can be given to stroke patients. Um, okay, and. Uh, that that's one level, and unfortunately, there are areas in the country that don't have comprehensive stroke centers. Uh, and then there are primary stroke centers, and that's where um, sort of the the most uh, uh, sort of some detailed, but not the most comprehensive type of stroke care can be um, given. And then there's acute stroke ready uh, hospitals. Um, but if you get to at least a, a, an acute stroke ready hospital where they can uh, get you in, recognize that you're having a stroke. Usually most facilities will get at least a CAT scan just to rule out blood, um, bleeding in the brain. If there's bleeding in the brain, then, um, then you have to be evaluated by neurosurgery to see if any intervention is done. But if it's truly an ischemic mm-hmm. stroke, as I talked about, mm-hmm. that 87% of strokes, then uh, if you get there within potentially four and a half hours, and we can talk about the timing in a little bit more, but the time that we use is four and a half hours for a medication called TPA or tissue plasminogen activator. And that medication okay. has to be given within that period of time. And, and you just have to rule out blood and you can give that medication. Now, if, if there's a blockage of a large artery inside of the brain, 
we found that TPA doesn't always break down those large clots. And so there's another more invasive procedure called um, an endovascular procedure where uh, uh, endovascular doctors can go in through the groin and go up to the brain and remove those large clots. And that has to be done at a comprehensive stroke center. So in some instances, a person may need to be transferred from a acute stroke ready or primary stroke center to a comprehensive stroke center to get that more detailed uh, that's treatment. Amazing. That's amazing because you talked about the four, four hours, four and a half hours issue, and then most areas don't have this comprehensive stroke. So you get to the hospital, mm-hmm. you got to be checked in, they get your information, you're sitting there. Do the hospitals, just a basic hospital, are they, do they have a checklist like, okay, if this person is having this, we need to pull them back to the back and get them in. You know what I mean? Or is somebody with a stroke going to be yes. sitting out in the waiting room because, you know, well, all right, you're just in the line. Your limb didn't fall off and you're not bleeding outside your body. Do, do you know that if that's the case in many hospitals? Are they are they prepared that, at least that's that a, minimum? To... That's, that's another uh, impressive question, Joy, very nuanced question. Um, and so uh, that designation of those stroke centers, the comprehensive, the primary, and the acute stroke-ready hospital, one of the criteria for that is to have uh, an acute stroke process there where uh, if someone is having an acute stroke and they come to the hospital, that there's a way to have it recognized earlier early, and that's either through pre-hospital notification from the EMS system that's bringing the person to the hospital. Um, Most comprehensive stroke centers are working uh, regionally with the uh, EMS to develop ways of um, the paramedics and EMTs recognizing strokes in the field and, and having them call ahead to the hospital so that the hospital is actually prepared to take the potential stroke patient back for treatment. And so that, that's one. And the other is the triage nurse mm-hmm. at, the, at the front of the hospital recognizing stroke and, and alerting a stroke code, as we call it, and having the appropriate team to come to evaluate the patient. And so uh, at these uh, designated stroke centers that I talked about, there is a process. And, again, um, unfortunately, if someone is in a very rural area and it's just a um, – just an an urgent care facility uh, or a facility that doesn't have some level of stroke care, then then, um, these acute treatments can be missed. Yeah. We talked earlier about this issue of um, people being afraid to go to the doctor, the emergency room in particular, because of money. Um, Before we get to that, I want to just, let's talk about prevention. What can people do Mm -hmm. to prevent a stroke? You talked about smoking being a possible cause. Uh, of somebody having a stroke, what other things can people do to stop in their life? What changes can they make? Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. The best way to treat a stroke is to prevent it from occurring, <laughs> and that's what I always say. <laughs> and there are, yeah, there are things that we can do to prevent a stroke from occurring. Uh, the American Heart Association calls it the uh, life simple seven, and I like that. Um, Number one, the number one modify. We well, let me start by saying this: there, there are certain things that put you at risk for stroke that we can't do anything about, and those are non-modifiable risk factors. But there are much more things that are modifiable that we can do something about. We can't do anything about the disparity in terms of race, ethnicity, or we can't do anything about our age or our gender or our family history. Yeah. If you have a family history of stroke, then you have a higher chance of having a stroke. 
Um, but that, that, that's a small list. But those things that we can do something about is a lot longer list. And the number one modifiable risk factor for stroke is hypertension. Hypertension is just so important because it's highly prevalent. Um, one in every two um, adult Americans in the United States actually has hypertension. Um, some know it and some don't know it. Some are on treatment, mm -hmm. and even on treatment, their blood pressure is still not under control. And so high blood pressure is such a major um, risk factor in the United States and in the world to actually in uh, other countries, uh, multiple countries in Africa as well. Hypertension is just very, very um, important in terms of stroke risk. Yeah. Um, so if you have hypertension, it's important to know it, to check your blood pressure. Hopefully later we can talk about a new campaign that we, that we started at the NIH about hypertension control geared to African-American men. The other thing is diabetes. Uh, if you have diabetes, it's important to um, get your blood sugars under control, to check your hemoglobin A1C and get that under control. Diabetes increases your risk of small vessel strokes, also increases your risk of uh, um, cognitive impairment later in life as well if it's uncontrolled. Okay. Uh, high cholesterol, mm -hmm. it's important to get that under control. Smoking, as I mentioned, uh, if smoking is just bad, it's associated with heart disease, it's associated with cancer, it's associated with stroke, lung disease, peripheral you know, vascular disease. Let me disease. ask you, Dr. Benson, mm -hmm. what about mm -hmm. this vaping thing? Is that is that um, safe for people to vape uh, now? You know, that's actually big. We've been through the American Heart Association uh, targeting that as well because a lot of the manufacturers of these vaping um, materials, they're um, they're putting in various flavors, not just menthol. We know yes. that menthol cigarettes are bad for African-Americans. But they're targeting kids, mm -hmm. exactly, and they're putting in these really, you know, flavors that are attached to candy and all of that. And so that's, that's big because that is impacting people long term. And so uh, there's a lot of legislation and uh, a lot of um, laws that are being written to, to deal with that. Um, but, yes, that um, also can impact you long term, and so that's not good. That's a great point. Um, then also um, increasing your physical activity is very important. Uh, it's important to get out. We, uh, according to the Northern Manhattan study, people who exercised, uh, let's say you had, hypertension, you had two people, both have hypertension and diabetes, the same age, same gender and race. Mm -hmm. If one person uh, exercised 20 to 30 minutes a day, three times a week, that person had a lower risk of stroke. So having uh, physical activity at least 30 minutes a day, three times a week, um, decreases your risk of stroke. Uh, if you're obese, you have to get your, um, get your, um, get your weight down. Uh, that's yeah. and that's very important. And the other thing is increase fruit and vegetable intake. Uh, you should get five to seven servings of fruits. And this this sounds uh, basic, but unfortunately, some people don't know what a healthy meal. No, looks but, like. but some people <laughs> yeah, they don't know what healthy seven. meal. Right, they right. don't know what it looks like. But also, I think social factors are involved in that in terms of how you grew up and what you grew up eating, and the people around you and what they ate, and so what you think is normal. And, you know, I have a grandmother who's 87, and she's been eating, you know, mm -hmm. um, pig feet for the last <laughs> 87 mm -hmm. years or something like that. Um, and and they don't drink water. I know many people who don't like water. Mm -hmm. They don't like the taste of it. And um, and then vegetables are like, well, I, yeah, French fries isn't a potato. <laughs> vegetable well, Joy, Joy so, you're, you're hitting the, the nail on the head. Uh, I'm always 
shocked actually when I heard people say that they don't like to drink water and your body is just it's it's composed mainly of water so it just doesn't I don't understand that and then people who say they don't like vegetables um unfortunately the culture certain cultures are just um you know they they're just not they're not healthy and they don't promote you know longevity and and that's unfortunate we have to change that there's a great video um uh, that, that was put out by the uh, Association of Black Cardiologists some years ago, and it just talked about um, be, uh, what you need to know before you eat the church food. Um, and it's a documentary, uh, and it just talks about the types of foods that are uh, served at churches um, after service, and, and it's service, just it's yeah. killing people, frankly. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about this campaign you have for men. Um, you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I'm excited about that. Um, this campaign, um, it was started because of a, a large study. There was a study called the SPRINT trial, which uh, wanted to look at um, tight control of blood pressure versus standard control of blood pressure. Standard control in the past, if your blood pressure was less than 140 or over 90, then most doctors would say, hey, that's, that's good, that's fine. It's less than 140 over 90, you're okay. Um, but with this sprint study, they said, let's see if it's better to get your blood pressure less than 120 over 80, which is considered the normal blood pressure, versus the 140 mm-hmm. over 90. And so what they found in that study, uh, and it had uh, uh, nearly, um, uh, nearly 30,000 people in the, in the study, uh, and what they found was that the people who had the lower blood pressure actually had lower rates of heart attacks and strokes. And so there was a sub-study of that called the Sprint Mind that looked at um, the association between um, that, those various blood pressure ranges, not just for mm-hmm. stroke and heart attack, but also the risk of cognitive impairment, dementia um, later in, in, in life, uh, or the long-term consequences, uh, the change in your cognitive abilities. And what they found was that okay. people who had the tighter control of their blood pressure um, had better cognition overall um, on certain testing than people who had that sort of moderate blood pressure control or standard blood pressure mm-hmm, control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this so, so was more that it can help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, exactly. And it, it was more; it was seen more in midlife. And so, yeah, having uh, what, what we found was that if you have if you're midlife, and we consider that 45 to 65 in that age range, the people who have their blood pressure under good control, and that's less than 120 over 80, in that age range, and they have a lower risk of heart attack, stroke, and dementia later in life. And so the campaign that we have is is geared towards African-American men, which is the population. African-Americans have high high blood pressure at a higher rate than others. Um, And of African-Americans, African-American men actually have uh, the highest rate of uncontrolled uh, hypertension, and so we're gearing specifically to pre-midlife. So we're gearing it towards African American men, 28 to 45, and giving the okay. message that um, you have to control your blood pressure at this point, uh, so that in midlife um, you have it under control and you decrease your chance of uh, heart attack, stroke, or dementia later in life. And the title wow, uh, tagline 28. for the campaign. You, you... Go ahead, 28. What's the tagline? Yep. Yes. Uh, the tagline is "Nobody's Got You Like You Got You," uh, and it's a really mm. cool video that we have that we've put together, and it's to uh, get um, people, African American men, to actually go to the website and to get more information 
about this, um, and it's a really great campaign. And so, um, you know, we're we're excited about that. But yeah, this is a, a primary prevention campaign, and it's geared towards African American men. When people think that they're young and vulnerable, um, unfortunately, I was about uh, to say, like they don't they they're like 28. I mean, first of all, men in general, this is a generalized comment, don't like to go to the doctor. And right. so 28, you know, I'm I'm thinking a 28 age year age male is just like, have they even gotten their checkup? Do they get their teeth checked out? I mean, do they get their eyes checked? You know, are they thinking about you know, I, I just the whole thing of getting you know, treatments to to be preventative at 28. I just think guys at 28 aren't thinking about that. You know. Yeah, I you're right. Like, yeah, a lot. A lot of a lot of people, uh, particularly men, don't get medical checkups after they finish, you know, high school. If they played a sport in high school, if they went to college, they may have gotten, you know, a checkup for college or a college sporting team or whatever. But definitely after mm-hmm. that, in their early twenties, a lot just don't go and see doctors until problems happen. Um, but it's like I use the analogy, although people are not cars. <laughs> aren't inanimate yeah. objects. Uh, if you buy a new car, you're going to take it in for routine maintenance services. You don't just sort of drive it until something happens to it. Um, but uh, with our bodies, we, we just go what along. What are you talking about? I don't have time for that. I don't have time to be going to take this car in. i got to go to work. I don't have money to get that checkup. Oh, just it's a little drip. It's okay. Nothing. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's all right. Oh, you hear that clank, 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 clank. Right, it, right. That's it's just like, oh, nothing. Let me Come it. on, get in the car. <laughs> well, that that's the issue. That's the issue, uh, and you. That's a very uh, that's a very important point that people. Well, I don't have time for that. I don't have the money that for that. But then, you know, your car doesn't last as long. Uh, if you don't do those routine things to take care of it. And so in the long run, you end up paying more than if you had done those routine maintenance things. But that that's sort of the message that, you know, just getting your oil checked periodically and kicking the tires, you know, to make sure that they're um, full of air and that the brakes are working, that those can actually help you in the long run, even though they may cost a little bit more up front. But, the, you know, I, I do understand I can't minimize the um, – the economic impact. We know now at the NIH that we call them social determinants of health, that those types of things yes. are very important mm-hmm. um, when it comes to health, and that, that includes um, uh, socioeconomic status, you know, having a, a, a livable wage, um, a housing, suitable housing, housing security, um, uh, living in an environment where you can easily get fresh fruits and vegetables. I mentioned that earlier. Being able to walk around in your neighborhood safely at night, um, all yeah. of those things are important. So those social determinants of health are very important. And, you know, we, you can go to the best doctor in the world and get the best treatment in the world, um, and you get a, a, a medical plan with prescriptions and you leave that doctor's office. But if you don't have insurance and you can't pay for the medication and you can't buy the food, then it's all for naught. So, um, no, that that's a very important point. And that is something that we have to address. We society has to address as well. Well, you've shared a lot of wonderful information today. Um, I thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope you're going to eat your fruits and vegetables later today <laughs> and get 30, 30 minutes of exercise in. And you as a doctor can also be a stubborn patient, you know. If something happens That's to true. you or if you're, your doctor friends, make sure they go to get 
Check up. Check That's up. a great this point. This is my mommy voice, okay, Dr. Benson? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point, Julie. Thank you. And, and I take that. I take that and I receive it. <laughs> okay. Well, you have a great weekend, okay? Thank you so much again. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Have a okay. great day. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, for everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone with Dr. Richard Benson. He is, is the director of the Office of Global Health and Health Disparities and the NINDS Division of Clinical Research. Um, please, please take care of yourself, things that you can prevent, not smoking, exercising, eating the fruits and vegetables, drinking water. If you don't like water, I know people that kind of do, like, the little flavor things. Uh, maybe just put a little bit of that flavor pack. I put that crystal light. Yeah, crystal light. Something to get that water in your system. Um, and it's you know with this COVID, it's been really hard for people to get out. We've lo- a lot of people have gained weight. Um, now things are loosening up. So try to get out and stretch, and and do what you can with yourself wherever you are. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. You can follow me again on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also check me out on Facebook Saturday mornings with Joy Keys and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. I'm going to be doing some giveaways, so definitely follow today and this weekend to see what's what. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.